0: Welcome to episode 6 of the Football Shirt Pod. Today we chat to Imar I'm Salim, editor-in-chief of the outstanding long-form football magazine, These Football Times.
1: It was so bad, it was so like interesting, you just didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't want to live through it, but you almost <laughs> want to go back there now and it's like uh, you actually build your love for a club in yeah. the ridiculous times and in the bad times and in the good times you just try and enjoy it.
0: Tell me about the history of, of these football times.
1: So it was, it was very different to what, what the site is today. I actually I started it when I was working at the New York Red Bulls in, in MLS. And it was actually just a way to get... So we used to work with a load of community clubs um, in the tri-state area. Yeah. And um, I, I used to go from club to club and you'd come across parent coaches that didn't actually know the sport very well, which is which is fine. It wasn't wasn't their sport. So I wanted a way to get the coaching material that I had come up with or that I, I had access to to them. Yeah. So it originally started as just um, like a, a big Dropbox site to get coaching material right. available to parent coaches around for free. Um, but it wasn't long before, you know, we'd have like some of the coaches themselves would want to write something and we went on social media and people liked the stuff and said, Look, can I write about coaching? Can I write about non-coaching? And before you know it, it sort of we ended up in, in an era where you had um, I don't know if you ever came across Inside Soccer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who used to um they used to make great videos. you had Jeff Bookman there and that, they they were doing really, really good stuff. Um yeah. sadly it didn't didn't really work out with them. But we sort of went away from you know static coaching material that you could download as a pdf to just more features which seemed to be more popular um and and that was it and it was just it was just features for the first few years but yeah it was it was actually a coaching site initially which is sort of we tried to keep a little bit of that ethos in the site still that keep that that part of it going with the coaches forum podcast and um you know writing about there some some analysis parts of the game and focusing on that as much as we can but you know it's yeah changed massively since then
0: yeah so when did it when did it sort of move more to its current format and and the print edition as it is now when 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 did that happen and what was the sort of process that took you to that point
1: i think we didn't even know that we were putting out anything that was any good until uh the guardian got in touch and said look do you want to be a part of the sport network Wow. And it was actually only at that point that we sort of sat down or I sat down and said, well, actually, maybe the content's quite good. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd always grown up reading World Soccer. Um, And I felt that we wanted to, we want to try and um, keep our articles serious. We want it to be factual. We want it to be a retelling of events. And and I always thought world soccer were the best when it came to serious football writing, at least in print anyway. Mm. Um, So as soon as the Guardian got in touch and we got a little bit more popular and social media grew and we went from, you know, I remember being really happy when we'd have 50 hits a day yeah. <laughs> and we went from that to, you know, 10, 10, 20, 30,000 a day. Yeah. Um, it just sort of, you know, it was, well, we're sort of, we've got a long form website here. It was still just a labor of love really. Um, yeah. cause you're not, you don't make much on the online stuff, not unless you start getting to crazy hit numbers. Yeah. Um, and so it was, I think it was five years of online content before, um, Jim who came into to things sort of in 2013, yeah. uh, Jim Hart in the US sadly passed away. Since um, he came in in 2013, and and he was like, you know, he'd been very successful outside of outside of sport in his in his own right. He's involved in tech and had sold companies that had done incredibly well, and um, and he just said, look, you need to you need to be more ambitious. You've got something really good here. Why don't we try and try and make a magazine? And I. You know, a magazine, no one's going to buy a magazine. But he said, no, we're going to, we're going to do something a little bit different. So it was actually his um, his idea to do the magazine initially. I see. Um yeah. And it was. I think it's just a natural progression, right? You get to a point where you start saying, "Well, what are we going to do next?" Like we've done articles for five years. Great people like it. People are coming reading. But what, do we want to do anything more? Yeah. Um. And so yeah. So that was yeah. That was the birth of the magazine.
0: Yeah, that's quite that's a big step, isn't it? In the, I mean, in, in these uh, tight digital times, and um, you know, the, the kind of print media s- struggle really. What been a pretty pretty much downward trajectory for about. Twenty odd years now, so, so it's still quite a bold step to, to go down that route. How? What was the kind of way you tackled it? Because obviously, you've, you you've, the magazine is gorgeous and it's um, incredible quality, both in terms of the the quality of the writing and also the actual product itself. Was that was that really the key thing for you from the start to make something that was very very special?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think on, on, on face value, unless you know otherwise, you would assume that print is dead. Because um, you've, you know, we've seen it around. We've seen new newspapers fold. We've seen, um, you know, newspapers struggle. We've seen, you know, we, we all used to go to W. H. Smith and get a magazine, and we'd look forward to it. And we sort of don't really do that as much anymore. So the the assumption is that print has has died, but it actually hasn't. I think good quality print is still thriving and will always thrive. So it was just about making sure that whatever we we produce is both. It gives like the the reader an experience in terms of touch, which is you know holding the the physical act of holding the magazine and opening the pages and sort of getting that weird smell that comes through from each issue. <laughs> yeah. But also that the visually to to go through it and say, oh, "I like this. That's an incredible photo. I've never seen that photo of of this player when, when you know when they were younger or." And then, of of course, the the written content. But actually, the the written content is almost the the last part of the jigsaw. In the sense that you you probably can't sit down with the magazine and read it from front to back. It's very very unlikely. There's you know there's eighty thousand words in there. Yeah. Um, but. You can flick through it and really enjoy the photos and the art and you can sort of stare at it for a long time, way before you might read the the feature. Yeah, And I think that the act of that, if you've got really nice thick pages and like the ink is bright and the, it just feels really like heavy and feels pretty good in your hand, that's something that people will pay for. People will enjoy it um and then you supplement it with the things around so you get you know good editorial in there you get you know you get some interesting topics and i think that was pretty much the the hope that if you bring enough of that together people will buy it yeah. um, but it wasn't easy like it was it was really really tough initially um yeah. we, how
0: brave did you have to be for that first issue because i guess it must be quite a significant outlay in the
1: first instance I and mean, you don't know it's a step into the unknown isn't it it was like a significant outlay for about five issues because yeah. <laughs> we we were we were making like the Argentina one that we did the first one, which actually sold. I can't I can't believe this, but it sold on eBay a few weeks ago for two hundred and fifty quid. Oh wow! Um, and I look back now and think, do you know what? It was a good issue, but it wasn't. Like, I <laughs> um, so, it, but it was you know it was it was trial and error. I, I can't can't say how many times I sort of just scratched it all off and started again because I was like, no, nah, that's ugly. I don't like that. I don't like this yeah. and because you don't have a style right you're starting from day one yeah Um, so not only are you putting in a lot of your own money to to get this going but you're you sort of you're thinking well if it doesn't work out here then how many times am i going to keep putting in putting in the money because we didn't because we didn't make anything off it yeah and that was actually right up so that was argentina the first calcio edition germany netherlands Mexico, and then it was when we got to Brazil so six issues in that I wasn't forking out from my own pocket to actually get it printed and to get it mailed. And yeah, it is, it is massive, it is because it's. It's fulfillment as well. It's not just like the printing of the magazine. The printing of the magazine is one thing, which is which is cool. Um, and if you find a good printer, that's great. Yeah. It was. It's the fulfillment. It's the mailing of it. When 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 that goes wrong, then you know what? How are we going to cover each magazine that goes missing? Are we going to? What are we going to do? Yeah. Um. What sort of envelopes are we going to use? What sort of mailing service are we going to use? How are we going to get tracking links across? And all these sorts of things. So much to it. So much more to it than you realize. Um, and we, we just made mistake after mistake for quite a few issues before yeah. we started to actually figure out, actually, okay, this is how you run a magazine.
0: Yeah. What's the, the ethos of the magazine? How would you define it? Because it's, it's obviously kind of retrospective, but it's also very, very positive about football. It, isn't, um, you know, it doesn't take a, a kind of negative uh, sort of modern football is rubbish approach. It's, it's very upbeat and a celebration.
1: Yeah, that, that's what it is—a celebration. I think it probably reflects the age groups of those of us that are making it. Um, yeah. So we've got, you know, I'm I'm 34, um, but we've got guys, you know, like Gary Thacker and um, Paul McParland who are in the who are in the 60s who are in every issue yeah. so i think it, i mean we've got everyone in between and we've got we've got some younger lads as well so we yeah. you know we sort of we try and cover all bases but yeah it's it's more about trying to make it a celebration and then and we've i've been asked in the past like um you know why as an example you know when you talk about we're talking about the roma issue just the other day and um you know why why didn't you talk about some of the more The more seedier parts of Roma, whether it's some of the the match fixing incidents or whether it was uh, relationships with with Mussolini and things like that. And and I don't think that's what people want to read in print. I think you, you can read that online. But I think if it's in print, then you actually want to celebrate the club. You actually want to read something that might be a little bit more uplifting um and you can get you can actually just change the design of it to make it come come alive a little bit more the magazine rather than it being a bit dim yeah um so it's, yeah it's, 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 as much as anything else it's just trying to celebrate football we i think we read enough grim news and and there's so many aspects of modern football that a lot of us don't like um yeah. certainly if you you know you went to football from previous decades and so this is this is about just saying you know what i, I don't that just doesn't matter, right? Why don't we talk about the best players in the club, not the most controversial? Why don't we remember how good Totti was and and perhaps don't talk about Agostino Di Bartolome in this issue, but we'll write about him online because his story is remarkable and tragic and sad. But actually, I want to open that and read about De Rossi and I want to read about Conti and Giannini. I, I want to read about people like that because they... That's actually going to f- fill me with a little bit of joy, even if it's just the you know four thousand words that someone's written.
0: Yeah, definitely. Are talking about Roma there, the, and the, and the club issues, which have been superb? Um, How did they come about? What which was the first club? Because Roma was sort of third or fourth, wasn't
1: it? I think Roma was um, yeah, Roma was fourth. Uh, the first club was Boca, Boca uh, so we yeah, we'd, yeah. we'd got, we sort of got a little bit bored of the concept that we had. We were we'd done quite a few nations, but. You know, you, you did a nation once, and with a lot of them, it's it's difficult to go back over them without repeating the same stuff. And mm. um, and it was just we we sort of we so we have a senior senior leadership team within these football times. Um, mm. at the moment there's seven of us, and we've most of us have been with the site either not in my case obviously from the start, but you know maybe just a year or two into it it beginning. So I've been with these football times for a really long time. Um, we just said, look, what what should we do next? Like, what what are we gonna what are we going to do? We need to do something a little bit different because the sales were were okay. We, but we'd only ever sold out of like in, immediately the philosophies issue and uh, Couch Air 2. And so it was like, how can we take the magazine to the next level? What can we do that will interest people? And so it was, well, if we make club issues, we know the fans will be interested in it. But I think if we can find enough clubs that have got the stories behind them to write about, that you actually you, you'll you still buy it. yeah okay River Plate fans aren't going to buy the Boca issue but Liverpool fans might yeah and yeah. Man City fans might right and so it was it was actually we were pretty confident with all of them until we got to Liverpool Liverpool was the one that we weren't sure about and that's been our best selling magazine oh really um, what, what, was, and, uh, what were your reservations about it? it it was it was actually my reservation it was Stephen Scragg who ended up convincing me and probably some of the other guys it was it um, was I felt that with like when you go to when you start getting to a club as big as Liverpool, you have as many people that hate the club as they do love the club. Yeah. So it's with a Boca, for example, you can sit in Europe and yeah, you may not support the club, but you can really appreciate the history and the players who've been there. You know, even when you go to like a Borussia Dortmund. You know, unless you're a Schalke fan or maybe a Bayern fan, you, you may not love the club, but you can still sit in other parts of Europe and like it. But I think that I think that with with a club, when you get to something like a Liverpool, they may have you know 500 million fans around the world, but every other football fan probably doesn't like them, <laughs> yeah. and so it's it's difficult to be like, okay, can we just sell this to Liverpool fans <laughs> and how many neutrals are actually going to come out and buy it? So it was. Yeah, it was a little, a little bit of a strange one when we got to that point, but that's been, um, yeah, that's been basically the, the whole concept of the, of the club series is what What can we make that will appeal to the broader spectrum of fans? Mm. Um, and, yeah, hopefully, uh, it's, uh, look, it's done really well so far. The series is going great. We've got um, our next release coming on the 17th, which is uh, a club that we've worked very closely with on it. and. Yeah, so we're now getting approached by clubs to make magazines on them. That's, so I think that's that's, that's, amazing. that's pretty
0: cool was, was Roma the sort of breakthrough in terms of um, a kind of club that obviously is very uh, kind of media savvy, but social media savvy as well? Um, and I read, I read about how that kind of relationship worked in terms of the production of the magazine um, and how uh, keen Roma were to work with you. Has that sort of provided a bit of a blueprint and, and it's shown to perhaps other clubs, what
1: can be achieved? Yeah. Yeah. Massively. Yeah. Roma are, I think because like, like you say, they're quite media savvy and they, they, they're interested in trying new things. I think the whole way that they go about their social media is, is the ultimate testament of that. Um, but they, yeah, they wanted to say, look, well, why don't we make something print on Roma that we can have around the club? Uh, and we'll give you some access to we'll give you pitch side access to De Rossi's farewell. We'll you know, you can interview, you know, the best young player in Italian football. Yeah. Um and let's see what turns out. And they but they they were quite stringent in how they wanted their their editorial to be. So they were they they obviously brought into the fact that we wanna make it a celebration of the club. Um, but were like really, you know, I wouldn't say they weren't on top of us but they were they definitely wanted it a certain way and that's fine that's great because if it's going to be something that um, you know is going to be around the club and maybe some some legends are going to read it then I want it to be absolutely spot on and I think other clubs looked at that and said yeah you know what that's we're not going to produce that in-house but why don't we get them to do it and you know, they know what they're doing, they know how to make a magazine, we'll give them the access. Um, and so the club that we've got coming up uh, for release on the 17th was, was the same. It's, it's a shame we can't travel to, to clubs at the moment. Cause we, yeah, yeah we would have, um, we would have had a lot of fun out there, but yeah, that's going to be a, a great issue. Can
0: you, uh, can you
1: reveal what country the club's from? Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, you know what everyone's going to get it now. So basically all over social media they <laughs> people have thought it's, it's either Napoli or Marseille. Okay. Um, okay. And, and I can okay. confirm it's either Napoli or Marseille. <laughs> okay. Fair enough, fair enough.
0: You, you, those those initial clubs obviously I think Dortmund as well and and Boca and Roma there was they're, they're kind of clubs that I get exactly what you mean about them being appealing to fans that are not uh, you know, just fans of, the, of those clubs. But obviously you've moved now towards some of the bigger clubs as well. Has that been, I'm thinking Real Madrid particularly, but has that been a bit more of a challenge? Because I guess it's sort of taking the magazine and perhaps the ethos slightly further away from what it's known for, which is that kind of almost the kind of cult uh, clubs and, and players into into a slightly more mainstream area. I,
1: I had massive sleepless nights over Real Madrid. Right. I was actually if, if I wish I could share our um Slack messages about it because <laughs> actually all of us, down to down to a man, was like, Yeah, I don't know about making a Real Madrid issue and we we just weren't sure because after Real Madrid we knew we wanted to do the language of football, um just as a one off and just do something else and we mm. We said, all right, you know what? Let, let's just do it. The magazine's done well. We can have, we can probably afford an issue that that maybe doesn't do as well. So we just went about Real Madrid in a way that we really celebrate the best, the, the best stories, the most uplifting stories. Let's get you know four and a half thousand words of, on Redondo in there. Let's make sure that we really celebrate the best players that there are, and try and try and actually gear it to all different generations. So we've obviously got stuff on Alfredo Di Stéfano but we're, we're going all the way up to Sergio Ramos today. Um, yeah. So try and get it appealing across all spectrums. But surprisingly, people, you pick, when we released it, people saw the cover and I don't know if you've, the, the cover was just insane. Yeah, um, It was an incredible bit of work by Javier Arez. Um And it was, and, and that was it. People looked at the cover and said, yep, yeah, I, I just want that magazine. And that was actually like targeted. We, I'd wanted to get Javier involved in the world. He's not, he's not cheap, but he's, he's incredibly talented yeah. um, and it was like can we offset the controversy of or I don't maybe not controversy but the I don't know the, the dislike of Real Madrid amongst neutral fans yeah. in, and produce something that people will say is so visually interesting that we'll, we'll go and buy it. Um, but it but like yeah like you say it's definitely a departure from from doing the sort of cooler clubs like, like Roma and Dortmund and Ajax and riding the waves of successful clubs at the moment, like Liverpool and, and yeah, yeah. but yeah, no, it was, um, it, 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 it was a cool issue to make. We actually looked at it at the end. Once it was all done and we had a PDF, the digital PDF, looked at it and said, do you know what? Actually, that's such a cool club to write about. There's actually so much more to write about when it comes to Real Madrid than just the obvious stories. There's yeah. there's so many intricate things that we came up in, in the research that we did that was like, wow. They, like it, their journey is just as as difficult as ours, their journey is as, as the club, like, you know, I might support or you might support, is, it's just as difficult, it's just as tricky, it's just as interesting and to so many people around the world and, it, and it's easy to forget this, but to so many people around the world, it means everything. It means everything to them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, fortunately, we, we started out of that as well.
0: Oh, great. Well, it's interesting because um, it, when I, I wrote the piece about the shirts, uh, the kind of history of some of the, the famous shirts and when you start to dig into the, the, the story of that particular season you realise how long for example they went without winning the European Cup um, and, and the years where they, they were unsuccessful domestically as well um, and, you, and you're right you, you completely forget about that because of the last you know 15-20 years and the, the, the trophies yeah. and the big signings and the you know, Galactico projects and all of that and you forget that they actually were like any other club however long ago and they had all the, the trials and tribulations that any other the team face as they go go about Yeah,
1: massively. And and that's, yeah, it's definitely easy to forget that. And I think we, Liverpool's a good example obviously of that today. Um, I I remember when Liverpool won the title in in, in 90 and yeah, that's, you know, that was great. But, you know, you you start going, you start thinking about Real Madrid and that 32 years between uh, 66 and 98 when they won the European Cup and the European Cup is the holy grail for that club. Yeah. Um. And you think of all the struggle that they had they had so many incredible players, but it's easy to just think of Real Madrid as being, you know, Zidane and Ramos and and Ronaldo and being the Galacticos. But it's, it's so much more than that. It was so much struggle to get to the Galacticos, yeah. and that's the sort of story that we wanted to tell. And then, yeah, you you want to write about someone like someone like Sergio Ramos, you know is he any good, it, you know, why do you hate him, why do we like him, all these sorts of things. You know, you want to write about Zidane and the player and the manager and, you know, how do they intertwine, how did the player make the manager and these sorts of things. But the journey to get there is, is just as interesting as any other club. It's just that we we look at Real Madrid and they come and poach our players and you're know, like, man, I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. talking earlier about um print not being dead very much alive um good quality print and we were talking to um dan at Mundial magazine um which is has now stopped its print issue but you know produced some equally lovely print magazines as well um but there's also a bit more, more widely uh, uh, we talked to ned at pickles as well and and there's other magazines that seem to be popping up from time to time as well and it's almost like a bit of a sort of surge in quality football writing or an interest in, you know, good quality football writing. Um, And I wondered if you'd sort of, I mean, obviously you, you're kind of a big, big part of that, but I wonder if you, if you sort of become aware of that kind of, um, you know, sort of demand really and perhaps fans being more interested now to learn a bit more about clubs and the game, um, uh, you know, perhaps rejecting some of the, the more kind of glossy elements of modern football.
1: Yeah, I think so. I'm yeah, certainly aware of the, the the other other issues that are coming out and the other um, the other magazines that are popping up and they're, and they're all doing a great job. And I think one of the great testaments is that quite a few of them before they've started have like you know just sent a really nice email across us saying, "Look, can we pick your brains on a few things? And can we talk to some of your writers? And can we can we find out how you started?" And I'm I'm more always happy to share our journey because it's 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 something that has worked out in the end, but it it was really, really difficult. And I think that if people know that it it is gonna be tough and you know that what you need to do to actually sell a magazine and what will entice people, then you've actually got a decent chance of making go of it. And there's there's some awesome indie publications out there. And I don't just mean, fanzines have been around for a long time. We know that there's some great fanzines that have been going for years, but I'm talking like the independent magazines, the high-end, you know, Perfect Bound, Really colorful, artistic magazines out there, um, and and there's loads of them. So we hopefully we sort of give a little bit of inspiration to them to, to carry on and keep producing them. But I, but I think like any other uh, website or industry, the if you if you don't do it well, if you um, try and cut corners, or if you perhaps don't produce a product that's good, Pe- people won't buy it. Um, yeah, but there is. Like touching on your point about uh, sort of going away from the mainstream, there's there's massively a movement to hold either our big media accountable for any agendas they may have, um, and our journalists on a personal level accountable for any any agendas they may have, Um, and saying you know what if if you can't if if you're not going to do that then we're not going to buy your stuff we're not going to read your stuff and and I think you've seen clearly you've seen that with with. A lot of sites struggling with some magazine struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, four four two almost came to to pass and and fold until they were bought. And they, their redesign is great, and they look really good now. Yeah. Um. But I. But and and that's actually something that on a personal level, I I'm the same. I I, I we we have guys who've written for us, and I read. I love reading the other magazines as well, and 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 sort of taking out tech cherry picking ideas and say, oh, that's really great. Can we how can we incorporate something like that, but obviously in our own way? Mm-hmm. And um and there's so many incredibly talented writers out there and and artists that will never get a go in the mainstream media because a lot of them are just obviously looking out for each other. And yeah. So for me that was actually one of the inspirations of saying, you know what, we're really going to put something into these football times and we're not going to go out and pay a little bit more and get a big name journalist with a big social media following i actually want i actually want writers out there who are talented but you know trying to make their way in the sport or you know trying to write freelance but so so good as good as anyone else writing for for a big um media outlet writing for a newspaper and get them involved because i think that that's um that, that's pretty special. That's pretty special to say that we're actually doing it as fans. Yeah,
0: um,
1: when when a lot of them, I've never been a, a great writer myself, but I know so many guys who have, you know, have just like given up football writing because they, and they're like really, really good yeah. and given up football writing because they just cannot penetrate these these walls that are up around big media and the walls that are sort of, you know, tended to by each other's friends in the journalist community. Yeah, um, and I but I guess that's the, a reality of, of any sort of industry. People are always going to look out for themselves. But hopefully, we're we're trying to you know blaze a light and say, you know what, you can you can do your own thing. You don't have to worry about what they do. Let them do what they want to do. But you can do your own thing. And hopefully, seeing that with a lot of the the independent magazines coming out now, definitely, definitely.
0: You you, you talked about world soccer earlier. What were the other sort of magazines that you read you, you have read previously that perhaps have inspired you?
1: Um, I actually used to read Formula One yeah. I read World Soccer, but I'd, I'd read, yeah, I'd read I'd read, read like motorsport magazines. But um, like more recently, I um, I quite liked. I, I wasn't necessarily too keen on the the actual content itself. Howler had brilliant design. Yeah. Um, they were really cool the way they went about their design. Sadly, that's another magazine that's now you know not not producing anything. Um, so they, in terms of design, something like Howl is great, and you, you know, you, I, I'll go to a news agent or go to like a you know a WH Smith or something like that, and just just pick up random magazines and just flick through them yeah. and be like, oh, that's kind of cool. Well, what can we do with? Well, how could we use that? How can we adapt it to fit our magazines? But but we've got quite a set. Uh, design like we, I try and keep everything really, really uniform. So you, you know, you get a copy of these football times, and you know it's yeah, this is these football times. It looks like a these football times magazine. Yeah. Um. So we're not, we could go down like the howler route, and it'd be really colourful, and it looked like a traditional magazine. We're sort of, we're sitting somewhere between it being a magazine and being a book. Um. Yeah. Both in terms of the length and size of the magazine, but also like the the design. Um, and i want to i want us to stay true to that so it's it's as much about yeah we're, we're going to read other magazines and get inspiration for them and yeah i used to read world soccer and i used to read you know autosport magazine but actually let's let's write down let's draw some things out in a piece which is actually what i do i i usually sit down with a pad and draw things out yeah um and then say yeah look we'll get an indesign and see what we can see how we can make it work. Yeah. You, just to move away from the mag for a minute, you, you talked about
0: um, the fact that you're a football coach as well. Can you talk a bit more about that? Because you, you've been, you've worked with some, some big clubs, New York Red Bulls, I think you just mentioned.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I've worked at Fulham. I've worked at QPR. I've worked at New York, uh, at New York Red Bulls and um, Melbourne City over here in, in Australia. Yeah. Um, it's something that i started actually i was at university I, was, I studied history and politics at university i played at fulham as a kid and i was there until 17 and i am um, admittedly had a pretty bad attitude as a kid and, <laughs> and uh look, looking back now i wish i had not been like that but um but i wasn't 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 a bad young player but probably i was never going to be a premier league footballer for sure but um yeah and then when i went to university uh studied something completely different and uh, was offered the chance to do a level one coaching course and then uh, work with Fulham in the community, just like you know, going to schools and stuff and doing after school stuff, and uh, and that was great. Really enjoyed it and took some more coaching badges and got all the way up to my ua for A, which is great. Um, and yeah, and and just sort of and just carried on coaching to, to, to get, on
0: to get to your, to get to your UA for A. That's that's a lot of effort and work and hours, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a massive amount of effort, but it's. I think if you have a passion for, between working with people, particularly youngsters, and football, it's actually much, much easier than say studying for, for a degree or studying for something that yeah. you, you, you don't really enjoy. I, I, there were so many concepts that we learned um, along the way and I did it with the irish f a um so many things that we learned along the way that it's just like open your eyes out open your eyes up and you just see football in in a completely different light um so yeah it, it is difficult you you sort of like with anything you you worry are you are you good enough is are your ideas good enough can you get it down can you actually what you've jotted down and what is in your head can you then you know get that across on a coaching pitch and can you get people to understand it um yeah so yeah it, it can be difficult but no it's um I, I, football's the best thing in the world, so if you get to work in it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a job.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you've probably, you know, if, if you're not going to be a professional footballer, you've probably got, uh, you know, you've probably had, you've been involved in two things that most football fans would love to be involved in producing your own magazine and coaching. I suppose the, the third one would probably be designing football shirts from our point of view, but um, you know, you're, you're, you're not doing too badly there. And you're still coaching in Melbourne City at the moment, is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So still, still out here, still doing stuff. Um, but mainly, I'm sort of getting to the point where we're trying to trying to get the magazine to be just nonstop, and that be the the only thing. And we're yeah. at the point where we're actually prior to um, prior to the um pandemic starting we we'd actually agreed everything with the jfa to go out to japan and make a documentary on japanese football um oh, wow we had like a filmmaker ready and it, it was going to be like an hour-long documentary it'd be brilliant um so we'll we'll take that that's actually the the future hopefully we'll we'll get into a bit more video production but yeah yeah so uh, it, it, i i am lucky i get to do a couple of things in football but um yeah, it's ultimately it's still just the job, and you just gotta you just gotta try and do the best that whatever you do anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah, but that that, that having that that uh, kind of intrinsic understanding of football, having coached, you know, being a coach, does that does that change the way you sometimes present the magazine as well? Is it does it change the sort of approach that you take because you know perhaps how hard footballers work and and how much work goes in on the training field? If you have, do you have perhaps a slightly Better appreciation of, of how tough it is.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'm probably more sympathetic to managers more than anything else. Um, it doesn't really affect the the sort of design of the magazine and, and the writing. I try and leave people's stuff as as honest as it is when it was submitted and just edit it. Um, but the yeah, I, I think yeah, you, you this this there's, there's a massive. Movement that footballers are paid too much and they don't work very hard, and they, and they don't people don't actually realize and managers, you know, they oh, I could do that, and you know, they don't, they don't have a clue, but people don't actually realize that most most footballers get in at half eight in the morning and don't leave till half four, half five. Mm. Um, certainly the ones who are working really really hard, and managers work even longer. Um, yeah, and so it's it it's easy to say just because it's football and we love football and it's such a incredible thing to be able to take part in at any level whether you play as an amateur or if you play as a pro um, that it's you know you know it's a great great life but actually you still have to work hard at it. it's, there's no you don't get anything for free you're still putting it in um, and I, can, I you know I've never I haven't been up to Liverpool but I can only imagine how hard people like Jürgen Klopp work and his coaching staff work and how much analysis goes into what they do behind the scenes and how much thought goes into the sessions that they put together to get Liverpool to, Liverpool to be consistently so high tempo so hard working so good with the ball such a good defensive unit good at set pieces good you know how can you be good at so many different things it's work right it's people working behind the scenes to make it happen so hopefully that does transmit in the magazines at least a little bit that we don't we don't bash magazine we don't bash managers and we're not you know just talking about how you know, how modern players are pre-Madonna's and that and how they work Show that they're not they're actually just they actually work harder than footballers did yeah. back in the day yeah. they're actually doing more now
0: yeah for sure um, I haven't asked you who you support by the way Liverpool. Leo, Liverpool fan.
1: Okay. okay. <laughs> I actually, uh, you know, I grew up near, I grew up in, in South East London, so actually, my <laughs> local club was always Wimbledon. Yeah. And I used to, um, used to go to Wimbledon all the time and love, love watching them. But sadly, when, uh, when they moved up to Milton Keynes, that was uh, yeah, that was the end of that. But yeah, and I, I never really, uh oh, you know, I, I always keep an eye on AFC's uh, results, but I never really truly bought into it. I, I, it just felt like it was, I don't know, it wasn't the same. It wasn't. Um, it's looking to be really ambitious and clean and, and a cool club, but I uh, I liked Wimbledon because they were grim and there was and nothing ready. very yeah. pretty. Yeah, it was nothing yeah. very pretty about Wimbledon. And there was, was almost something that you can relate to, yeah. you know, like as, a, as someone who, you know, when you, you go out on a Sunday and play on a big puddle of mud, you can actually relate to to a club like <laughs> Wimbledon. They're quite yeah. likable, so yeah, yeah, it was actually Wimbledon was my local club, but yeah, Liverpool was because of all my uh, my family all support Liverpool. Fair enough, fair enough. Actually, I'm an Ipswich fan. We went to um,
0: I went to watch Ipswich play at Wimbledon at Kings Meadow uh, season just passed. Um, mm. Which was an experience. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's I have, yeah. It is, yeah, yeah, it's not yeah, different. It's a, a, a bit of a abrupt
1: reminder that we were in League One. But um, anyway, <laughs> you should you should have gone to Plough Lane back in the day. Yeah. Oh my god, you should. The Plough Lane was unbelievable. Like really? it was like it's. I don't. It's now. I don't know. I think there's still a Greyhound track just next door. And I don't know if they knocked it down, but Plough Lane was Plough Lane was insane. I mean, it was. Like it was just always a mud bath, yeah. And the fans were always just angry, and the football was <laughs> always just so ugly. And yeah. like, look at the time; it, it didn't feel that ugly, <laughs> it didn't feel that bad. Yeah. But yeah, retrospectively, it was a, <laughs> it was horrific. But but you know what? That's actually one of the things that you you actually cling to as a fan. I reckon you sort of say, you know what? It is ugly football, but it's our ugly football. Yeah. Um. And you and you know, well, you almost buy into it, rather than it being like you know. You could have a really sterile club, right? It could be quite tepid and you're always just sort of watching them and they kind of play all right sometimes and don't play all right sometimes. But with someone like Wimbledon growing up, watching them all the time, it was like, you know what? I have not literally no idea what's going to happen game to game. <laughs> we, we, you know, the long ball could work. It may not work. It doesn't really matter. We, you know, we, we may get two sendings off. We may end up with, with none. We may, you know, beat Liverpool. Yeah. Who knows? Um, and that's almost, you build a connection to a club that way.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's like Nick Hornby talking about when he used to go and follow Cambridge when he was at university and they went on the longest losing streak or something of any <laughs> English club ever and he, yeah. it, him feeling disappointed when they finally won a game because he, <laughs> it was like this sort of thing that he was sort of proud of for some reason I, I, and yeah. I can, I you don't, can you don't understand more...
1: that. Yeah, it is like massively because you know, even as a, like, a, like supporting Liverpool and stuff and, and going up there and, and, and you, you take you, you're really happy that we won the league, right? Yeah, obviously everyone's delighted. It's it's an incredible feeling. It's been a long, long time. It almost feels like the first time for everyone. For a lot of people, it is the first time. Yeah. But actually, for fans who remember 1990, it feels like the first time. Yeah. But you you then sort of cast your mind back and you go, you know, you sort of go back to the late Sunes era and the sort of late Evans era, and you you think of the characters that you had in the team, and you're like, you can't. It actually makes you smile. You almost you almost in a weird way you long for it because it was so like, it was so bad. It was so like interesting. You just didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't want to live through it, but (laughs) you almost want to go back there now. And it's like, uh, it's interesting. I think that's what actually builds. You actually build your love for a club in the ridiculous times and in the bad times and in the good times, you just try and enjoy it. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more.
0: I've got. I've got to ask you just quickly about football shirts before I let you go. Um, uh, what, what sort of fondness or relationship do you have with football shirts are there, are, and are there any that sort of
1: mean a lot to you I, I could sit down and talk football shirts all day with you if you want um oh <laughs> uh, yeah look i i i love uh, you know what i'm terrible at collecting shirts i i'll just pay whatever if i like it because <laughs> yeah. i just i don't know that yeah there's the, again it's like talking about that connection that you have right and it's it's a football shirt like probably nothing else in football visually can transport you back to something else yeah um, there's it's almost as much as you know if, if you watch like um, I don't know if I if I watch John Barnes in that you know the, the grey candy strip brilliant yeah. awesome John Barnes was my hero yeah Um, but uh I could watch videos of Barnesy playing and it was like, yeah, what a player he was. But I, I could just look at a picture of the kit and I can see all of those videos in one go. It's like a, yeah. a weird connection that you have. So I think that was probably my first, uh, that was my first ever kit was that candy gray one. What a, um, what a start. I know what a start. It's all been downhill since, <laughs> but um, that was, yeah. And that was, and I, and I obviously don't have it, or didn't have it until recently when I was lucky enough to, to buy it for a Silly amount of money online, yeah. um, but you know what? It's like, like I say, it just it just takes you back, and it's just so so much fun. And yeah, I, that was that was that was like I said, that was my first kit, my favourite. I've always been drawn to Bokka kits for some reason. Yeah, um, I, I think everyone is right. I think because they're so iconic that there's no who else has got the the navy and the yellow and the big yeah. stripe going across like how many clubs have got i don't i can't even think of anyone that no. that has it off the top of my head um and so yeah i was, I was always drawn to the bocca kits especially the bocca adidas ones which were just yes, they, they yes. were great and look looking back now that maradona one with the with the b o c a which yeah. is obviously no one's ever going to get one of them again <laughs> um yeah. so yeah so the bocca kits um like sort of a little bit more closer to home. I, do you know, I've, I've always liked Celtic kits for some reason. I'm not quite sure why. I've always liked Celtic, but mm. yeah, I, I don't – I always quite like Celtic as well. I, I think it was the, when they had the big Umbro um, on the front, which yeah. was – that was awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I think that was – Van Hooydonk's era, Van Hoydank and yeah, Cadet and De Canio. and that yeah, that was awesome as well. So yeah, they're probably the the kits that I like most. But there's there's so many cool clubs that are coming out and even like um sort of independent manufacturers that are coming up now and, and making some really interesting kits, like the AIK kits these years are like, they, yeah. they've been awesome. They're they're so clean and different. Yeah. Um but then you also you get like sadly you get like Nike making Liverpool kits this year, which are are I don't love them
0: no no I thought it was a bit of a missed opportunity I like the teal on the on the, uh, the collar but I, I thought it could have gone a bit further but anyway I'm sure
1: yeah I reckon the it, actually they they, did, they released an awesome the, there's a the training shirt with the detailing of the um, liver bird which is really cool yeah um, that's nice and they should actually just make that the, the away gig, yeah but, it's often away yeah I was, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly, and it's such a shame because they've actually like I I quite like the Chelsea kit, for example. I think that's that there's something about it's quite kind of clean, and they've released some really like the PSG kit's really interesting, the Mm. Atletico Madrid kit's really interesting. But they like they've got the the club that is probably riding the biggest wave in football right now, and they produce something. I don't know, like they they basically produced a six out of ten kit, didn't they? Yeah,
0: played it very safe because yeah, you're right. Look at the Roma away kit as well with the badge. Oh wow! Uh, So great, it's just. And I think, I think, you know, um, kits have been a bit sterile for a while and suddenly manufacturers are are sort of waking up to that a bit. Um, Yeah. Some of the designs that you're seeing at the moment, which is great. But yeah, Liverpool, I was, I was, it was much anticipated, wasn't it? Because it had been trailed for so long.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: But anyway, we'll see. I'm sure they'll come up with something a bit nicer in the future.
1: Well, and, and either way, in, in in thirty years, I'll probably buy it for uh, for five hundred quid exactly. or something. Exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but you're right. I, I, I'm 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 on I'm on cult kits every day. Oh, I like, well, I, I, so my first thing is the recently added section yeah, 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 and yeah. see what, what's new and stuff.
0: And uh, yeah, yeah, I love I uh, going on oh, that's good. That's good. Well, listen, if you ever want anything, just give me a shout and I'll I'll send you a uh, discount code. Um, no you don't want to do don't, that i oh, not no. buying a lot <laughs> yeah, that's fine that's absolutely fine um, Omar thanks so much for your time that was brilliant it's really good to talk to you and uh, really appreciate it and really looking forward to Napoli or Marseille for the next issue <laughs>
1: <laughs> no man, absolute pleasure thanks so much for having me and we'll, uh, yeah, we'll definitely do it again sometime